Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the very first episode of the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice, and I'm pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. There he's a youth leader, a worship leader, and I like to say he's an all-around ministry specialist. You know, we started this podcast for one very particular reason. We love the Christian Reformed Church, and we want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we also recognize that when Reformation happens, it's typically messy. So what we want to do is we want to take some time to have conversations with pastors throughout the CRC about where we're at and about what Reformation might look like for our denomination. If you're not a member of the CRC, feel free to stick around because we know that many denominations are facing the same struggles that we are, and so the conversations we have here are definitely going to apply beyond the CRC. So stick around, listen in, and let us know what you have to say. If you haven't already, take a moment to click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We're hoping to drop episodes every Monday. And if you like what you're hearing, leave us a positive review on iTunes because that just really helps spread the word about what we're doing. With all of that said, we're going to get to this week's show where Willie and I begin talking about what we see happening in the CRC and what may need to happen to see Reformation happen in our denomination. Well, why don't you start off and just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, where you're at and what you're doing. Sure. So as of right now, I am currently in volunteer youth ministry and music ministry and uh, pretty much miscellaneous ministry around the community here. Around the Pease, Malacca, Princeton, Minnesota area, um, this is somewhere near my 10th year in youth ministry. Um, I have pretty much grown up in the Christian Reformed Church my entire life, pretty much, and uh, was born, raised, baptized into, made profession of faith in the CRC. So I've gotten to see a lot of the um, changes and developments and uh, some progress and some decline in the CRC. So that's kind of why I think it's really important that you and I are doing this, but that's a little bit into my context and where I'm at right now. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. My my story is a little different from Willie. I didn't grow up in the CRC. I uh, didn't grow up in the church really. Um, grew up attending a Lutheran church here and there occasionally. Um, and then when I was about nine years old, my dad became a believer, and uh, my the rest of my family became a believer, and so did I. So about nine or ten years old, became a believer, and we entered a little non denominational Baptist church in Montana. And uh, we're members at that for about six, seven years. And then when we moved to, to Minnesota, uh, then we rejoined, or I wouldn't say my dad rejoined the Christian Reformed Church. And so I've been a member of the Christian Reformed Church for the last uh, over 20 years now, probably 22 years. And, and now I've been a pastor in the Christian Reformed Church for the last two and a half years. And before that, I was a youth leader uh, for 11 years, uh, got to watch Willie grow up and and uh, disciple him and watch him become a leader in our youth ministry. So yeah, but had a history in the Christian Reformed Church. Willie, what about you? Well, why don't you talk a little bit about what your involvement has been with the broader denomination outside of just local church ministry? Sure, I appreciate that question. Um, I would say one of the privileges that I was given a few years ago is I was asked to lead a Bible study 
just outside the campus of St. Cloud State University, which is a secular university. And I did that for about two and a half years, and I had a lot of involvement there. Um, I've been involved with other ministries, such as uh, Spirit Quest Ministries, um, and that was kind of an offshoot uh, of things that had come out of Bethel or what Bethel was doing at that time. Um, that's uh, that's pretty much my outside extracurricular church activities. I've been involved with a few other smaller things, but in general, my my priority and my focus has kind of been to the local church, and in the past couple of years, it's been a little bit more broadly connected through the denomination itself. So that's kind of my story. Yeah. And uh, well, this last year and the year before you also had some involvement with Synod as well, right? Mm, that's right. That's very true. Uh, I was nominated to be a young adult representative at the 2019 uh, Christian Reformed Church annual synodical meeting. And that was a huge pleasure to just be nominated to go in the first place. And then to actually be selected, um, I think there's only seven young adults that get chosen throughout the United States and Canada. So the fact that uh, the denomination was willing to kind of uh, see leadership qualities in me and to invest in me and to give me the opportunity to kind of rub shoulders with uh, some of the big wigs in the denomination, it was a real honor and privilege to be a part of that. And I will again be going in 2021 if the Lord wills. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. It was, it was exciting to see you get the opportunity to head into uh, uh synod of 2019. And I was excited to be able to go, I was supposed to go to synod 2020 with you until, right. uh, until COVID messed that up. So hopefully we'll see what happens in 2021, but I'm glad to see that you're going, uh, that you should be there 2021 as long as, uh, as long as it meets. Yeah, that's true. And I did receive some information. They're meeting to see what is going to be the most tangible and realistic option. I think they're going to have uh, a virtual option available, but I think they would rather meet in person, which I would rather see too. So they're going to try and make something happen no matter what. But I hope to be able to go in person and just to continue to rub shoulders with and just be in the fellowship of other great church leaders such as yourself. Yeah, well, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I think it's really, especially with what's going on um, in our denomination right now, I think it's really important that we have this meeting in person mm -hmm. um, because it's, it's not a conversation we can have digitally. Uh, we need to be face to face when we, when we have some, uh, I think, some tough conversations coming up here. I would agree. Yeah. So, yeah, my involvement with the CRC's, uh, um, been a little different as, a, as, like I said, I was a youth pastor, youth leader, technically not a pastor. I wasn't ordained. I'm a youth leader for 11 years and, uh, enjoyed doing that, but I've also been, had a heart for our broader denomination. So been involved in, at a classical level on a few in a, um, in Lake Superior, I helped out with the youth ministry champion position there. I chaired that committee and got it going. And now I'm, I'm part of the classes renewal committee here in, classes wisconsin working on uh renewing well our classes that's fairly self-explanatory i guess but that's uh that's a pretty fun work that we're doing here and COVID has kind of made it difficult but we're still uh trudging along working on seeing how we can see churches revitalized here so and Amen. i went to calvin sem as well so I, I got to be connected with the broader denomination there i did a cross-cultural internship through world well, it was World Missions at the time. Now it's uh, Resonate, but through World Missions um, in the Dominican Republic, I did a 
a cross-cultural internship there for five weeks. So I've had a lot of interaction throughout our denomination over the years. So uh, I really have a heart. Like, like I said at the beginning of this show, uh, both of us have a heart for this denomination in particular. And that's why uh, we get a little worried when we hear people talking about the possibility of leaving the denomination and our denomination uh, collapsing and folding up. So that's why mm-hmm. we're wanting to have some of these conversations with other pastors and see what we can do about it. So what, uh, Willie, uh, you, you said you've grown up in the church your whole life, in the Christian Reformed Church your whole life, baptized into the church. And um, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you think the CRC does really well? Mm. Yeah, I appreciate that question. I think a lot of what the CRC does well is we are very eager to teach what we historically have believed. Um, I can still remember some of the lessons that I was taught in my catechism class in Sunday school. Um, so I I think that's one of the things that the CRC has a stronghold in is uh, the doctrine uh, of our church. I think we're very good at passing that on. Uh, some other things that I think the CRC has been uh, pretty heroic in is just uh, kind of the revitalization of a lot of reformed theology and spreading that not only throughout the CRC, but through other denominations too. Uh, It's really cool to be a part of different little factions. And I see kind of new Calvinists or new reformed people, young, restless and reformed people. Um, So I see God working in that way in the broader context, but in particularly the, the CRC as well. So that's always cool to see. Um, I also really think one of the things the CRC has uh, historically been good at is reaching out into the community and into the culture. I think one of the things that we are very strengthened in is having a positive impact in our society and our culture, even on the political and social realm, too. So I think those are some of the strengths of the CRC. Yeah, I think don't you, I mean that that a lot of what you're just talking about flows out of um our theology, right? Yes, that's absolutely true. I mean, if we believe that God is sovereign over all things, then we believe that he works in and through all things. So that kind of makes sense why we are involved in some of the things that we are. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think our theology is what uh, drives us into culture and uh, and some of you know the the Kyperian nature of the CRC is what what pushes us to to try to see culture changed and but uh, you know the, the the interesting thing is right that that's a strength of our our theology it's a strength of our denomination that drives us to change culture but it also I think is a weakness isn't it that we can fall off the map and we can try to change culture. Uh, we we can want to change culture so much that we try to co-opt methods of the world to try to mm-hmm. bring about that. Um, we can, um, you know, I know some of the concerns right now among pastors that I'm talking to is is maybe an unhelpful um, emphasis from some in our denomination on on social justice. Not that the people I talk to don't appreciate social justice, but think that maybe people are going about it a wrong way apart from the gospel. And so this Mm -hmm. Kyperian emphasis in the CRC can definitely um, cause you to swing away from the gospel. Have you seen years too? 
Yes, I've seen that. Pretty particularly in the last five years, um, there has been more of a pushback onto the church from the culture uh, to kind of propagate some of these uh, social justice platforms. Um, That has been pretty discouraging for me to see uh, for a few reasons. I think fundamentally what it does is it forces you to look at people based off of their immutable characteristics. And I think that's a mistake. Uh, People have often asked me things off of the premise of, what is your opinion on this matter because you're black? And I always shrink back a little bit. And I would say, why? what does that have to do with anything? Can't I just have an opinion regardless of my skin color? Um, I think one of the biggest mistakes is we play into these group politics or identity politics too much, and we don't focus on people as individuals. Um, Because the only collective that I wish to be associated with and identified with is the body of Christ, because it's there that I find my identity. So that's why I see some of these social justice trends to kind of appease the culture to be kind of troublesome. And I, I think we've gone too far in that direction. Yeah, and I even think as uh, as we've been talking about the different things you think are positives in the church, I think a lot of them are ones that w- that we that have become weaknesses in some ways too, right? So you you mentioned that one of the positives was um, the CRC has been strong in its doctrine and and strong in passing that down um, from generation to generation, and yet. Um, as I talk to uh, the generation above me, many of them have wanted to downplay doctrine a little bit because they feel like it was kind of shoved down their throat when they were growing up in the church and they didn't like it. And so they wanted to, so now they're growing up and saying, we don't want to shove this down people's throats. Have you had those conversations too? Uh, Yes, I think that's true. I think uh, that's one of the negative kind of overshadowing uh, features of the CRC that it can have is that we're, we're all heady and uh, it just becomes kind of to quote Doug Wilson, orthodusty (laughs) and just boring. Um, And I think part of that uh, just kind of stems from the fact that the generation before you and maybe a couple before me, even, I think they knew the history and the doctrine and the theology of our church very well. But I think the difference between Maybe them, and not totally speaking, I'm just generally speaking, is I don't necessarily know if they loved what they knew. Because when you love what you know, then others who are being taught those things by you, by nature, generally speaking, will grow to love those things too. And that's kind of the discipleship model that uh, that has been taught to me anyway. Um, so yeah, I think that's been kind of part of the dividing line between some of the old guard and some of the new blood coming up is um, they knew it, but didn't necessarily love it. And now we're trying to figure out how to do both as well. Yeah. And uh, I also think it seems like there's just this pattern in, uh, in life in general, and even in the church and the Bible that, that one generation does something because they love it. The next generation does it because they have to. Mm-hmm. And then the, and they don't love it. And then the next generation doesn't do it anymore. And it seems like, you know, you're only, I know some people say you're only one gener- generation away. Um, but I think there's almost a couple generations 
where that happens. And so when the CRC was founded, there was this love for our creeds and confessions and this love for our scripture and our doctrine. And they were teaching people because they just loved it. And they saw that emphasize, they saw that the way, the way that it changed lives and the way that it affected daily living. And then the next generation grew up and said, well, we have to do this because this is important, but they maybe didn't necessarily love it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then the generation that sat under that teaching said, well, this is dumb. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, they, they not only didn't love it, but they didn't really want to teach it anymore. And so we've kind of slowly faded away. And, and as I've talked to a lot of pastors throughout the CRC, and even my own experience has been that there's um, the CRC, which has kind of been known as this bastion for being too heady, mm-hmm. too doctrine focused. Um, I don't actually see that as being the case in most of the churches that I that I go to. And, and I talk to a lot of pastors about the members in their church. I don't see that being the case that most of them are too focused on doctrine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think there's definitely been in the last 20 years kind of a pendulum swing from kind of a knowledge of the head straight to uh, what we know and feel in the heart. And I think that has kind of taken precedence in a lot of our churches, which is why you see a lot of not just our doctrine, but also our liturgy, our order of worship, um, just kind of going away in a lot of uh, mainline CRC churches. Uh, It's really the ones who truly love and appreciate what we have historically taught that still hold on to these things. And that's a gradient. I, I understand that there are churches that are on the spectrum as far as you know, what they love and therefore what you teach and what they want to hold on to. But I'm just speaking broadly and generally here. Would you think that's the case too? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, as as uh, this separation between the head and the heart happens, um, it seems like we've there, there's been the separation, which is was is not biblical, I don't think. I mean, we can distinguish between the two, but scripture always talks about doctrine and um, affecting our head and our heart, like they're interchangeable. Or, um, well, they're not interchangeable, but they interact with one another. One affects the other. But as we've separated those two, and people have said, "No, we need to focus on the heart and not the head," um, then then liturgy doesn't matter, right? It, what matters then is is getting our emotions stirred up and um, um, speaking in soft. You know, that's one of the things that really bugs me when I when I listen to a church or a worship leader and they, and they talk a certain way, you know, they're talking in a way that they're just trying to get your emotions stirred up. You know, they're like, I'm not, I was going to do a, <laughs> I was going to try to do a impersonation, but I don't think that'd be helpful or edifying. <laughs> to but well, they talk in soft tones, almost whispering, trying to get people's emotions. And then they have a little guitar playing in the background and, and the whole service becomes about stirring their heart up but it ends ends up being like cotton candy, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's no meat, there's no nutrition, there's nothing there. It just looks pretty and it feels good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and what you and I have experienced, I think, um, what I think is biblical and, and actually what Calvin taught as well. I mean, Calvin taught that if you're doing theology and it doesn't stir your heart to worship, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Amen. And so, um, and, and we've experienced that even in youth ministry, 
together teaching teenagers that that we watched hearts be lit on fire as they learned more about who God is and what he's done in the world and and so we we want to see emotions moved in people we want to see people love God but but we need to do it um, I've always said when I preach I, I work at trying to reach through people's heads and grab them by the heart because if you just try to grab them by the heart then there's no content and there's no lasting foundation. But if you can reach through their head, show them who God is and what he's done and help them be moved by that, there, there's a lasting fruit there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely think that has been true of, of both of us in our stay in youth ministry. And that's why I think I am still focused primarily in youth ministry because I see a generation that wants to be taught, that wants to be taken seriously, and that wants to be trained and discipled and equipped to defend their faith. Um, And you can't do that simply by stirring the emotions. Uh, Sometimes in order for it to reach your heart, it must first come through your mind. Uh, So that's that's primarily why I'm still focused in youth ministry right now. And uh, yeah, just God bless anybody who is in youth ministry or who has served in youth ministry, because it's no easy task. But uh, I think because of where our youth are at and their excitement, and I think they're poised for some of this knowledge and advancement, I think it's incumbent on us to be the ones who are actively pouring into them, such as you did to me. Yeah, well, there's a generation being uh, coming up that's really hungry, aren't they? Mm-hmm. I mean, we we noticed that we started teaching. I've told people that we started teaching through Burkhoff, mm-hmm. um, systematic theology to teenagers, and we're talking teenagers seventh grade through twelfth grade, and uh, and teaching it in helpful, practical ways, helping them understand the doctrine, but also helping them understand how this changes the way we live and how it applies to life. Um, but we saw kids get excited and passionate about it, and they would look forward to diving in and uh, studying things that made their brains hurt a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I've told people before, um, you can't really love something unless you know it, right? I mean, this idea that you can preach to the heart or address the heart apart from the head is just not possible. You cannot love your wife if you don't know her. Right. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's impossible to do that. And as you get to know your wife and you get to know more things about her, you begin to love her more. And, and, and to be honest, right, we know that our wife is a fallen being um, just like we are. And yet um, when, how can you not fall more in love with God who's perfect in every way and beyond all comprehension as you get to know him more fully and, and dive in deeper Mm-hmm. And so, and, and I think too, I mean, don't you think that, that these teenagers, I think they're hungry because of a couple things for one, they're, they're, they're experiencing, I mean, we had numerous teenagers voice their frustration. They weren't from, even from our church, they were from other churches, um, but they would come to our youth ministry because theirs didn't have a youth ministry or, or whatever. Um, but mm-hmm. they would voice frustration that they would go to church and it was all, they felt like it was all fluff in the adult church, Right. Um, and then we had other teenagers that said they were going to, they were coming to talk to us. They weren't even believers, right? but they were coming and wanting doctrine because they would talk to people in the culture and they had nothing to offer them either. And so they said, they felt like everything was fluff all around them and they wanted to be taken 
deeper and they wanted to get a foundation. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think this is where I'll give my small critique to youth ministry. I think what youth ministry has subtly become, not just in the reformed world, but the broader evangelical world as a whole, what youth ministry has turned into essentially is organized irresponsibility. Um, that's, that seems to be the trend of what I've seen. You know, we're going to, we're going to play some games, which may not have anything to (laughs) do with anything. We're just going to drink some pop through a sock and call it good. Um, there may be some sort of a message, but there'll be scripture just lightly sprinkled in at the end, just so we can say we have it in there. Uh, and you basically end up preparing a generation to walk away from the faith because they really haven't been taught the faith. They really have not been integrated with the broader body. So in my opinion, we shouldn't be surprised when we see these polls, like I think it's the George Barna poll, say up to 80% of students by their sophomore year in college will not be affiliated with any church at all. Um, We shouldn't be surprised by that. They, They really have never grown up in the church. They've never been taught the doctrine of the church, and they've never really been taught what church actually is. All they've been taught is um, how to come to youth group and play dodgeball and just have um, supervised irresponsibility at its finest. So I think that's been one of the downfalls of youth ministry, and that's why we have kind of seen a reformation of sorts in youth ministry saying, we don't really want that. (laughs) We want the word of God and all that it entails in manners of life and godliness, uh, because it has real implications on the lives of not just the students, but on the lives of the leaders as well. Well, guys, that's all we have for this week. Stay tuned for next week's episode where we have part two of this conversation. And we're going to talk about the importance of the Word of God and fellowship in the Reformation of the Church. But until then, don't forget that this is Christ's church. And he bought this church with his blood. We've also been warned that wolves will come in and try to destroy Christ's flock. So, keep a close watch on your life and doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.